Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by Rob Cassidy. Rob, boy, what a busy week. Madness went on during Thanksgiving, all sorts of stuff. Uh, how you been holding up? You been getting any sleep? Uh, you know, I'd like to play the journalist role, the tired journalist role here and be like, yeah, you know, I've really been slaving away on the phones and not sleeping, but... You know, I've, I've been sleeping pretty well, man. <laughs> everything's 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 everything here in the uh, Casa de Cassidy. Well, of course, I slept a little too well uh, on Saturday night. Woke up to madness, including texts and phone calls. The Mark Rick news uh, was out and about. And I guess that's where we'll start. We actually, I think it was our first podcast that we spent a ton of time talking about it. And then we just figured uh, it wasn't going to happen because they won all their games. But he gets fired and really kind of all hell breaks loose. Uh, what did you think about that news? Did it come as a shock to you? Shock is probably a little bit too strong of a, of a word there. Um, I was mildly surprised. I think that's that's probably more more accurate. Um, just because of the timing of it all, and, and, and it's almost like they made up their mind midway through the season, no matter what happened, that he was going to be let go. Uh, and, you know, they went for it, and of course that's created chaos on the recruiting front. Uh, you know, you've got the number one quarterback in the country now who's committed to Georgia and Jacob Eason, who's now visiting Florida. <laughs> and, you know, that's a whole other mess with, with Felipe Franks, who just flipped from LSU. And if you don't cover recruiting, this could be very hard to track, I suppose. He just flipped from LSU to Florida, is now, you know, kind of balking at the idea that Florida would bring in Jacob Eason for a visit. So there are just so many chips up in the air right now. It's going to be interesting to see where they fall. All right, so let's get a little bit of a timeline. I'll tell my night. Okay, Saturday night, I get a phone call or some text messages from uh, five-star Nate McBride and his dad telling me that they want to come out in support of Mark Rick, that they're getting ready to commit, but uh, now they don't know because they've been hearing he might get fired. So I decided to write that Saturday night and put the story out. And I say, you know, I tweeted, uh, you know, five-star Nate McBride. If you know, and I put I didn't put a direct quote, but I did a you know kind of paraphrase. If you want me, keep Mark Richt and the defensive staff. And of course, surprisingly, the Georgia fans revolted against him to the point where he then called me and was like, you know, worried about how he looked, like he looked arrogant and everything like that. And it was crazy because you had this wave of support for them to get rid of Richt essentially because they were, you know contradicting McBride and saying, you know, what, who cares what he thinks? He's not going to hold the program hostage, blah, blah, blah. Then the next morning they fire Richt, and it seems like everybody was mad about that. So it, I got all kinds of tweets and stuff of people being angry when huh. really I thought people were ready to move on. What are you, are you telling me? You're telling me that people on the Internet were mad about stuff? <laughs> I, I'm having a hard time believing that. Well... The people on the internet are mad at me. I, I blocked a lot of people. The from... people on the internet are mad at everything. I mean, that's kind of what you do on the internet, right? Is you're cynical and you're angry. That's that's what people do online. It's it's a modern wonder. Well, okay, so w- w- what a lot of people don't know is when something like this happens, we spring into when a coach gets fired, a coordinator gets fired, we reach out to basically all the recruits. This is why we get paid the big bucks. I texted Rob on uh, Rob. I texted you on Sunday and said days like this are why we have jobs. And uh, because it gives us a unique opportunity to kind of, you know, show our relationships and, and really reach out to the kids and get those quotes. And the one thing I heard from pretty much every Georgia commit, especially on defense, was we want, you to, we want them to keep Jeremy Pruitt. We want guys on the staff to stay. 
Do you think there's any chance that the new coach, which we both think is Kirby Smart, do you think there's any coach, any chance that he keeps a guy like Jeremy Pruitt on the staff? I don't see it for a number of reasons. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 I don't. I guess aside from the recruiting implications, I guess I don't see why you do. And I really don't think that a lot of these recruits that are saying we want him kept would necessarily just break their commitment if he wasn't. Um, I think that, you know, obviously everybody, when they build it, when these kids build a relationship with coaches, no matter if it's a coordinator or a head coach or whatever, they in, a, in an ideal world, they want them there. So, of course, they're going to come out and show support with the guy that they've built relationships with. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of times when the axe falls, uh, they can be kind of persuaded to stick around. And I think that'll be the case here. Uh, not a lot of commits from my area at Georgia that I talked to. Uh, they, you know, they have Malik Young. Uh, I talked to him. He says that he's going to stay committed to Georgia and see who the hire is. He didn't mention anything about the staff or or retaining other assistant coaches. Uh, He's waiting to see who the assistant hire is, and I think his backups kind of are in play are Auburn, Michigan, and maybe some other schools like that. Uh, But, you know, I think that's indicative of the larger whole, really, is they can see kids kids will say of course you know I, I want my guy to be there but as soon as their guy's not there they very rarely do anything rash um you know one or two will the whole class won't stay together that never happens but i, I don't think it will completely fall apart if the staff isn't retained well here here's what i see happening a little bit first of all i don't i don't think jeremy pruitt is back especially if kirby smarts the hire i know they work together at alabama he's important in recruiting but you know, I just think that uh, kind of the damage might be done there between Pruitt and maybe some of the people yeah. at Georgia. That yeah, the athletic department, yeah, no doubt about it. Right, because of the way they came out and supported Rick, even the, the, the cordial firing was really weird to me. It was seeming like they treated him like he was Steve Spurrier or something, even though Mark Rick clearly, by all these jobs that are now interested in him, he's got a lot of coaching left in him if he wants to do that. So, But, but you know, Jeremy Pruitt's a guy that the kids like, um, and I, you know, as far as the people I talk to in Atlanta, you know, the, you know, handler types, as they say, the trainers, you know, he's, he's not the most popular guy. So I, I just wonder, you know, if Kirby's going to come in and that he knows a lot of these people. Let's remember, let's remember he played at Georgia. A lot of the guys I deal with here in Atlanta played at Georgia and they've been, uh, you know, sending their players elsewhere, even, you know, not to their own alma mater just because they wanted to uh, have, a, you know, they've had better relationships with other people that aren't the Georgia staff. So I think Kirby comes in. He wants a fresh start. A guy that, that he's talked about bringing in, or he hasn't talked about it, but, you know, the, the classic uh, sources or I've heard is uh, Derek Ainsley, the defensive backs coach at Kentucky. And I think if he were to bring him in, I think you'd see Georgia, uh, they might clean house. A guy like Young may end up elsewhere. Some of their other commits may end up elsewhere. And they may end up with a you know three or four four-star defensive backs to kind of really booster that first class because they're not going to have much time to work once they get in there. What's interesting to me, and I think this will end up, is the Isaac Nata situation with Georgia. Uh, I think that everybody, it was kind of a foregone conclusion. Uh, and this is interesting to me because of you know the area I cover and Nata being one of the kids that I cover. I think it was kind of a foregone conclusion before that he would land at Georgia. Um, and even after this news is broken, I think it still is. Uh, I've had trouble getting Isaac on the phone. I've talked to some people around Isaac, though, uh, who seem to think he's still going to land there. No matter, I mean, as long as they don't go and just, I don't even know, uh, some kind of left field hire here. I really can't see them messing that up. I, I really don't think this class is going to take that big of a hit as opposed to where it would be if they would have retained Rick. Yeah, I think uh, actually, I 
I talked to Nada last night via text, but not about recruiting. I had sent him, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the local newspaper up here in Atlanta has a habit of just tweeting the worst-looking photos of kids. And uh, they t- there's one they use of him every time that I make fun of him, and they tweeted actually one of Jacob Eason last night, and he was making the funniest face in the photo. And uh, we had a laugh about that. I guess I should have asked him about recruiting. But like I said, it's a four- I, he's going to Georgia. Let's say it right now. That's what I think is going to happen. That's what people are telling me. And obviously you're hearing the same thing. So um, let's, let's shift gears. We talked a lot of Georgia. So that's our take. We both think – uh, if Kirby Smart's the guy, George is going to be fine recruiting wise. You, you know how he'll be as a first time head coach. Who knows? But I think Jacob Eason. He's oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say. I think maybe the, the the other biggest story is the non fire in the region. Anyway, is the the Les Miles head fake. You know, that's I'm real interested to see how that's going to affect. Maybe not even this just this class, but the 2017 class. When you have a guy that was so publicly just kind of dragged through the town with the scarlet letter on and almost booted and basically had a retirement ceremony on ESPN before he was allowed to keep his job, which is a whole nother story. I could spend 20 minutes talking about how surreal that moment was where he's singing the alma mater and people are chanting his name and he's carried off the field. And then it's like, uh, LOL JK guys. I'm I'm still, you're still the head coach here, but how do you recruit at this point? I mean, there have got to be guys looking at Les Miles. And, you know, I like Les Miles as much as anybody else in the media loves Les Miles. He's a media darling for a reason. He gets along with us. He's accommodating. Uh, he's obviously a very good coach. But I don't know how you recruit. I mean, any false move now. I mean, if I'm a prospect looking at LSU, I'm thinking they're looking for a reason to get rid of this dude. So am I committing to him and, and he's going to be gone in, in a year if he, you know, push, jumps off the wrong foot? Or, or does anything, any semblance of wrong? Uh, I'm terrified there, and I think that's why you saw part of why you saw Frank's flip to Florida, even though I think that may have happened, was going to happen anyway. But it's really interesting to see not only how they retain the kids that they have, but how they now sell this program going forward with Les Miles at the helm and skating on extremely thin ice. Well, I think they're going to have to do something with the athletic director. I mean, I think because, you know, Jacoby Stevens was another guy who decommitted. He uh, was one of the top athletes in the country in the class of 2017. He's from Tennessee. He wanted to go to LSU. That was kind of his dream school. He had the opportunity. He committed. And the reason he did was uh, because, you know, he loved it. And he loved Les Miles, too. He loved the defensive staff there. When Miles, the rumors all broke, you know, he thought he was gone. And then I said, well, you know, are we sure that, you know, are you sure that's going to happen? And he said, well, you know, even if he's not gone this year, he might be gone next year. He's not going to be there by the time I get there. So I got to look at my other options. So like you said, to get that stability back, I mean, LSU horribly botched the situation. I think it was, it, someone was leaking the info. Well, absolutely. That's and exactly I, what happened. Right. So, I mean, we don't just, I know some people think that uh, us media types just make stuff up, but, uh, and you know, maybe some people do. I don't want to name any names, but, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, we're we're being fed the information. A lot of times, the leaks coming on purpose, and it's coming from the athletic department. So, I've got. Uh, I think they're going to have to do something. I've got what is a, a fantastic Les Miles story here. Um, a few years ago, when they were recruiting Zach Mettenberger, I was at the Junior College National Championship game in Pittsburgh, Kansas, and uh, you know, all the coaches kind of descend on that game, and Zach was playing in that game. And uh, after after the. Uh, the game, I went out to dinner with my photographer at this Italian restaurant in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. <laughs> Les walks in with Zach and his family, and they sit at the table next to us. And, you know, it's very rare in our business to be able to be privy to a recruiting pitch and, like, a conversation like this. And, you know, we're at the next table, so, of course, I'm eavesdropping on this whole thing. 
And Miles, and I kid you not, man, this absolutely happened. Went from seamlessly talking to Zach about football to talking to the mom about China, which is okay. Any coach can make that transition, like whatever. And then and with my hand on the Bible, this man transitions into talking to Zach's sister about the Twilight books. This is before they were movies. He knew the characters' names. I, I've never... I was mesmerized, Woody. I, I've never... I mean, obviously, I've never been a part of that many recruiting pitches because you're not in the living room when this is happening, usually. I, my jaw was on right. the floor. Then, when this is all over, after he's done talking Edward and whoever the werewolf character's name is, he takes a phone call, which could have been a fake phone call. I mean, who knows? They ended up going to the Cotton Bowl. But he takes a phone call from what he said was the Cotton Bowl. And so he excuses himself from the table... Uh, they're going to the Cotton Bowl that year. He comes back to the table and it's like, oh, I'm sorry, that's the Cotton Bowl. And of course, that makes a splash with the family and with Zach. And just the way he was working that table was awe-inspiring. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It just kind of stuck with me. And every time I think of Les Miles, I think of that story. Well, you know, that is a, a special behind the scenes. Do you remember what he ordered? Was it was grass involved? I know he likes to, no, to eat grass. <laughs> I, don't think the, I don't think they were serving up much grass in this Italian restaurant in Pittsburgh, Kansas. But, man, yeah, it was you – don't, you don't get that opportunity very often to, to hear the recruiting pitch. And, you know, I didn't know him at the time. I mean, I was covering Kansas State at the time. The reason we were there was, uh, you know, other players. And then Kansas State was recruiting a couple of the players. I can't really remember who it was. Uh, but that was definitely ended up being the highlight of the trip. All right, so you know, from one quarterback recruiting story to another, we got to talk about Jacob Eason. Uh, you know, getting back to the Georgia side of things, he is at Florida right now, right? I mean, yeah, that was the in, word. Yeah, he made his flight. He's he's, he's there. Uh -huh. Yep, he's there right now. Okay, so he's on campus now. Everyone seems to be saying, "Oh, he's just making sure or whatever." He has other options, but I mean, like you said, they just got a commitment from another top one hundred quarterback. And for him to say, "Look, okay, I'm, I'm still going to take that visit on a tu on a Tuesday too." On a Tuesday. Yeah, you know, he's missing school. He's he's enrolling early, so he's probably just about done with his requirements. But do you think he'd be taking that trip if he weren't seriously considering Florida or seriously considering other options other than Georgia? No, it'd be silly to to if to be the number one of the top quarterbacks in the country and be committed to a school without a coach and not looking around. I, of course he's seriously considering these things. Now, could Georgia hire a coach and everything will be, you know, everybody will live happily ever after? Of course. But uh, unless you're just naive, <laughs> you have to be looking for backup options. I mean, sure, he's young, but he's not stupid. Uh, I think he's definitely looking around. I think Florida has to like its chances as well, or else it wouldn't even bother bringing him in because this is risking, uh, you know, kind of taking off Felipe Franks, who they just got the flip from LSU. Uh, so if they don't like their chances at all with Eason, why even bring them in and risk going home with nothing? I, that's So obviously, I think Florida likes its chances, and I think Eason at least has his ears open to seriously consider the Gators. Well, what's weird is I was talking to Blake Alderman at our uh, Florida site last night, and he's quite a character. We'll have to have him on the podcast sometime soon. But he, I said, well, aren't they going to piss off Franks? And he said... Well, no. Everyone knows Franks needs might need a year or two to develop, which I thought was kind of a weird statement, considering you know how highly rated he is, and you know he he's obviously big in stature and everything like that. But you know the the word from Florida side is, look, we need more than one option. We you know clearly Treon Harris hasn't worked out as as plenty Twitter trolls would tell you from my mentions this week. Uh, I think they have uh, Luke Del Rio on the team. He'll be eligible next year, but they want to have. They're going to need to bring in two guys. You know, they're bringing in. They have another uh, quarterback from Texas committed, who's a two-star and who's a project type guy. So 
it's all hands on deck. I think they think they have a shot. I don't know how realistic it is, but you know, the, the schools I would watch out for, you know, Washington, they finished the season strong. Uh, even though they have a young quarterback, I think they had a freshman starting for, for most of the year, you know, Easton could still come in and, and redshirt a year and, you know, be two years behind him. And then of course, Washington state, actually, Mike Leach, not going to go, you know, not going to go down without swinging his sword pops in pops in for an in-home visit did you hear about that i just actually right now as you're talking about this i'm reading about that i mean they're not getting him but you know you're good for mike though right you know who this is best for jacob eason's high school coach taught well he is making the interview rounds he is on the he is on the interview circuit seems like i see his name pop into my timeline two or three times a day I'm, i'm waiting for his name to kind of surface at one of these schools as a potential uh job candidate with the with the way he's he's doing uh, his press so far doesn't this Easton situation just kind of like it seems like something that's going to get weirder uh as the next few weeks go along here like this is going to be you know there's always those down the stretch kind of intense signing day stories and maybe not signing day in this case but you know stretch run stories and i just feel like this is going to get you know so much weirder uh very soon and i'm really excited for it because i love weird stuff well, and remember, the West Coast schools don't come back as quickly. I think it was Ugo Amadi last year who was supposed to enroll early at LSU. He missed the date at LSU, and everyone wondered what he was doing. And then he popped up at Oregon mid-January, enrolled early, and then he started for them as a freshman. So there's a little bit more of a grace period out West just with the way, especially the schools that are on the quarter system work. So uh, I, I think you're right. I think we're going to be sweating this until – He's in the Army game, which is uh, January 10th, where I'll be there. You're uh, obviously abandoning me uh, to go home early. But I think I think we're going to be chasing him around that week, not knowing where he's going uh, for sure. No, I, I agree. And somebody has to attend the South Florida Express tryouts, Woody. I mean, they're a big deal around here. I don't know if you know. Well, listen, uh, hey, a note. I've got to be there on the clock. Memo to other 7-on-7 seven seven teams. Rob and I were each given a nice uh, long sleeve shirt last year by the South Florida Express. Uh, which I know Rob wears to the gym. I've been known to wear it when it gets cold up here. So, you know, it'd be nice to have a little bit more seven-on-seven swag, don't you think? <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and beg for payola. No. I may have uh, sold out a lot of my journalism cred when I left newspapers, and I'm not ready to give it all away. All right, so listen, speaking of uh, a little bit of journalism cred, we need to talk first. Let's talk about UCF, uh, where I actually earned my journalism degree as an undergrad, hiring Scott Frost today. Uh, 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 the Oregon offensive coordinator, a big-time move, a, a shocker, really. A lot of people thought they were going to hire a couple other people. Other names have been floated out there. First, just real, real quick, Rob, UCF's been real quiet this year in recruiting, obviously with George O'Leary you know, being uh, stepping down. Their recruiting suffered because of the coaching instability. But what do you think Frost means? I think you know, you're, you're familiar with him a little bit from your time in the Midwest. What do you think he means to UCF kind of as a hire? Yeah, it's interesting. I think, I mean, obviously, they're going to score points. Uh, that's kind of his MO. Uh, he's a young guy that can get through some doors, I think. I think if there's any concern, it's that people are worried that he's got, he doesn't have super strong ties to the state. But I don't know if you really need them. If you're going to be coaching in the middle of the state, those ties will come. People will come to you. Uh, if It's when you're coaching out of state and trying to recruit Florida that those ties become important, I think. Uh, you know, his ties a lot are to the Midwest and to the West Coast. I don't think that you'll be seeing him recruit the Nebraska area where he's from or anything like that. Uh, he won't have to because he'll be able to get into so many doors, I think, just by being at UCF. Uh, it's more about the system with him, I think, and more about the youth and the enthusiasm. And basically the splash that that hire made. You know, people make a lot of, you know, make fun of winning the press conference uh, is, is, the, is the term. 
and they definitely will do that. I think that there's some excitement around the UCF program, which was obviously not there a few weeks ago with you know the season that they just put together. So you know, if nothing else, he's breathed some life into the program already before he's ever even done anything. So you know, that's a positive, and it can't get worse. So you know, I'm on board with the hire. Okay, so the last few years we've seen UCF steal a couple of four stars late. Um, I think Tristan Payton, who was a USC commit, they ended up landing late uh, last year. He played for them as a true freshman this year. Uh, over under for you two and a half four stars that they steal late because Frost promises that playing time and that offensive system. Do you think they can land uh, three three four stars in this class? No, man. Selling over is tough. <laughs> I mean, it is tough selling a season after over. I think maybe they get two, which is still amazing if that happens, uh, because I, I don't know any other program of that level that came off an over season could get two. But I, I cannot see them getting three. If they do, that has to be considered a massive win, right? Well, yeah, I agree. And I, and I can tell UCF fans, I, I talked to some people tonight, and Scott Frost has already reached out to people here in the Atlanta area. He's already recruiting. He was actually called... Uh, some people I know last night to tell me he was going to get the job, and I told them, you know, why didn't you tell me yesterday so I could have broke the news instead of uh, Brandon Helwig, uh, our uh, colleague at UCFSports.com, who did, actually did a great job, shocked the world uh, by properly breaking that story. We actually had a couple outlets reporting a different name earlier in the week, but uh, big shout to Brandon, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. I, you know, I was proud to see that it was somebody from our company uh, that got out in front of it and got it done and got it done right. So, you know, that's always pleasing to me. Okay, so, you know, just just to touch on that, we'll touch on the rumor situation. Uh, Rob, how many coaches have texted you over the last week or so and said, "Hey, can you float my my name out there? Can you throw my name out there?" Have you have you heard from coaches that have done that so far? I've had that happen to me before. It has not been huge in the last couple of weeks. It has happened in the past. It's so weird because I don't know if they think that like, you know, I hate to respond like this, but I've actually told some of the coaches that I'm closer to if you think that anybody cares if I link your name to a job, you think that people care too much about me, man. Like, I could put out a name uh, that's not linked there. Uh, <laughs> or just like, you know, nobody's going to be like, oh, you know, Rob Cassidy said this dude is linked to the job. I better hire him. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand what the end game is for doing that. Maybe I'm naive, well, uh, but I just don't see the value in these coaches asking me to do things like that. Uh, and I, I completely agree, and that's one of the situations that maybe people on the outside don't know about. We do talk to college coaches, some of us more than others. I don't talk to a ton, especially this time of year, because this is the time of year that coaches complain about rankings, uh, as I'm sure Rob can attest to. But for us to get involved on that level personally, you know, and Rob and I come from, you know, we each come from a journalism background. Uh, we didn't come up through, you know, a, a Rivals site. Not that, obviously, you know, Rivals is part of the journalism world, but, you know, we came up through newspapers and kind of just a different threshold than some people have only worked in the Internet space. Uh, and so that's why you haven't seen us kind of floating any names. I mean, obviously, you know, I, hey, I've heard Kirby Smart's going to be the guy at Georgia, but, of course, everyone's heard that. So, you know, I, I don't think I'm reporting anything or, or bringing, you know, I, I want to bring a quote. I want to bring hard information uh, yeah, look, man, there's, the there's, a cert, there's, a, there's a certain standard and this is probably where I get kind of preachy uh, there's a certain, I, saw, I just saw a tweet today this drove me insane I'm not going to name who that was like I, I, I'm not going to pull it up because I don't know exactly what it says actually I can pull it up real quick it was about the Cal situation in Sunny Dykes 
Uh, I have it on my phone here because I screenshot oh, it. It was a great. It was a great. It was a great tweet. So th- this thing says, and I quote: "I'm told Sonny Dykes has quote mentally moved on from Cal." Okay, what are you reporting there? Like, I, I don't understand how you have that. Like, what is that information really? You're told he's mentally moved. What does that even mean? Is your source like his shrink? I, I don't. I don't. People will just throw things out there. I mean, what does that mean? When you really break it down, I'm told he's he, he's mentally moved on. That's just reporting something to report something. That's like when people people will try to dance around coaching news, and you'll see this a lot, where it's like, uh, you know, is expected to be the head coach. Well, if you say that, you're reporting that he's going to be hired. That you and you can't back off of that after it doesn't happen and say, well, I didn't say it happened. I said it was expected, and the unexpected happens. No, that's not journalism. That's just saying things and hoping to be right and when you're right hey I broke that story when you're wrong oh you know I used the word expected so it's okay I don't know when that became the standard uh, sometime in the last five years it's completely insane and, and that mentally moved on tweet is like the pinnacle of just nonsense it, that's not information That's not, that doesn't advance the story you know I've mentally moved on from Kate Upton that doesn't mean anything at all hey, it's, just, it's just words Listen, uh, you know, uh, hopefully people haven't mentally moved on from uh, this podcast as we moved the rant section up a little bit earlier in the show for for that one. But no, I totally agree with you, Rob. And I, I actually, uh, we had rankings meetings, or we do have rankings meeting this week, and there was a point late in today where I had mentally moved on uh, when we were, you know, sorting through uh, class of 2017 safeties that, uh, boy, I really checked out there. That, that's a rough one. We spent a lot of time on the call uh, doing rankings this time of year. Yeah, it's easy to mentally move on from those calls, too, when they get long and tedious. No doubt about it. We need to uh, mentally move on to a new topic, though, correct? Yes. Okay, Kyle Davis, uh, top 100 wide receiver, really a guy that was at the center of the Georgia intrigue last week. It seems like it was a year ago that he committed. I think it was only about a week ago. Um, (laughs) uh, He surprised us all by just suddenly committing to Auburn and saying uh, that he wasn't going to do any interviews in the tweet that he uh, used to announce, which was weird because then he later did interviews uh, with people other than me, which kind of made me mad, Kyle, if you're listening. Um, but he committed to Auburn, and, and a lot of people think, you know, why would you go to Auburn if you're a wide receiver? I mean, uh, they get the, the fact is an offense like that that runs a ton of plays, even if it's a lot of running plays, big body wide receivers have had success, and I think that's why he went there. But the impressive thing with him was that he managed to, to shock us. And we talked about that uh, prior to when he when he uh, canceled his last announcement. It's hard to uh, to sneak attack us like that, but he got he got all of us, including me. Uh, were you surprised when you saw that news kind of cross the, the the Twitter wire, Rob? No, oh, absolutely, man. And like you and I have talked about it so much, even on the show, that we're so embedded in this and around these kids and around the people that handle these kids and their parents and their coaches that. Usually, you talk to him enough, you know, at least you can get it down to two schools, uh, if not one. Uh, or somebody will tell you, or a coach <laughs> from that college will leak it to you. So, you know, good on Kyle, though, for, for taking you off guard. I mean, that's on you, coach. Well, hey, listen, he, I, I and, and of course, you know, I talked to our, our Auburn site uh, after he had committed, because when he was doing that announcement back on October 23rd, I told our Auburn site and our Tennessee site and our Georgia site that he was going to Auburn. And nobody believed me. Everyone said, no, that's not what I'm hearing. And then, and so I text uh, Allie Davison, which, you know, give her, give her a big shout, someone that we uh, see on a, a regular basis. I texted her after Davis committed to say, 
I told you so, and I may have used a couple of uh, inappropriate words in the text as well in a joking manner. And she said, "Oh yeah, we knew he was a si- <laughs> we knew he was a silent committal uh, for the last two weeks." And I was like, "Well, you know, somebody somebody clue me in on that one because I, you know, people are obviously asking about him all the time." So. Regardless, it's a huge gift for Auburn. I think the coach uh, coaching situation at Georgia really locks it up for him now. He's locked in there, and that's like that's another great steal for them out of the Atlanta area. Um, should we'll we touch on the, on the Miami? Top. Should we touch on the Miami job here? I mean, it's still open. These jobs might all be filled by the time this reaches uh, anybody, right? So it'll just be nonsense. Yeah, um, well, yeah, we could be. But we got to we got to touch on who they haven't interviewed, right? Like the popular pick among. Coaches and players and everybody down here has been Mario Cristobal. Uh, in every report that's out there, they have not interviewed Mario Cristobal, but have interviewed everybody else. Um, I, I, I wonder if they're... You know, sometimes I don't want to say this because it's probably not true. But you almost wonder if the administration at that school is going against the grain here just to go against the grain because they don't want high school coaches and 7-on-7 seven seven coaches and uh, those kind of people to run their program. <laughs> so they're just going to turn their nose up at the popular pick. I mean, they have a slam dunk hire that they could obtain, and they're just not doing it for whatever reason. Let me tell you something, Rob. If they hire Greg Schiano, I mean, you know, forget about it. I'm going to have to shut down. I'm going to have to stay off of social media for two days because the Miami fans are going to lose it. I mean, that is not – no offense to Greg. He, he was a great coach at Rutgers. And I actually saw a report today that said he turned down the UCF job uh, this morning, and that's when they decided to hire Fro- Scott Frost. And as as I said earlier, Scott Frost was actually telling people up here that he had the job last night. So those my inf- my information, what I'm hearing, uh, I- I've mentally what <laughs> I've mentally confirmed <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> so it would people familiar with his line of thinking. Uh, Shiano's a terrible. Shiano would not be the hire for. I mean, just keep Al Golden at that point, right? I mean, what what are you doing if you hire Greg Shiano? Here's here's what will happen. You know, Miami fans are versed in a couple of things. One of those things being airplane banners. There is no better airplane banner fan base in the country than Miami University. These people fly airplane banners like I change underwear. Uh, you know, there's two of them a game. You know, it's fire Al Golden or we want Crystal Ball or we don't want Crystal Ball. Uh, there will be a Shiano banner within like. 45 seconds of that news hitting the wire. <laughs> that happens. Uh, Miami Miami fans act fast at the airplane banners. And I would I would stake some pretty significant money on a anti-Shiano airplane banner popping up the day that he is hired. Well, it, it just doesn't, like you said, maybe they're trying to prove a point. But, you know, guess what? If you want to win, you're going to have to have those guys involved. There's a way to have those guys involved and also kind of set boundaries uh, you know, pe- people sort of act like a lot of these guys are criminals or just guys looking for money, and and there are guys like that. But the kind of people that I know I deal with and that Rob deals with, uh, for the most part, uh, are uh, you know stand-up guys. They're guys who are just trying to help a lot of exactly. kids go to college. But not- there's a power there's a power trip sometimes on that on that admin level that you know it's a different world where they kind of look down on. You know, the people that, that deal in recruiting and the people that deal in football from an academic standpoint where it's like, you know, we're making this hire, you know, an academic hire, we're making this, maybe not an academic hire, but a character hire or whatever. This isn't about football. This isn't a football university. And they try to keep these football people who are stand-up guys and looking, you know, to do well by kids at arm's length and at bay. Uh, and, you know, this could end up biting them. And I'm not saying that's what's driving this because I don't know. But 
it's one of the explanations, isn't it? Is, is Miami doesn't want to, like every Miami fans want Miami to be the U. The Miami administration does not want Miami to be the U. They want Miami to be the University of Miami. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you, actually, a lot of these guys are former players. Former, they're former Miami players that we were talking about too. I mean, this is not this is not just a bunch of guys off the street who are, you know, selling kids or whatever. These are guys who went to Miami who are now, you know, who maybe guys who played in the NFL or guys who actually have real jobs and that spend their time training kids or in helping kids go to school, not just at Miami but at schools all over the country. So. Um, you might be right there. That's an interesting theory. I'd be curious to see what Miami fans think of that. And, and you know, uh, but I think I still think there's a good chance that Butch, J- Butch Davis gets the job and gets another shot to go that. back. Uh, I mean, that would I, be. I think they that, would be happy be, with that. Right. I think Miami fans would be happy. I think that's kind of meeting in the middle, maybe between Cristobal, who, who I really, you know, you and I both thought would be the guy. I haven't seen his name talked about that much in terms I've of. I've seen, seen it talked about at Rutgers. It's going to be weird if. And I think that there's a good chance that before anybody hears this podcast, that the Miami job is filled. No, let's let's hope not. If not, well, this will go on the deleted scenes uh, DVD. Speaking of Miami fans, boy, Rob, what a week for me and the Miami fans is. As for some reason, a Miami blogger, I don't know, he works for multiple uh, websites to start with Kane. Some you know, Kane Sport is our my Kane Sport is our. <laughs> there are more websites that start with Kane than there are you know numbers. And <laughs> Kane Sport is our Miami site, which features Gary Furman, one of the uh, kind of the godfather of uh, Miami Hurricanes recruiting coverage down there. Then there's a bunch of other sites, Kane. I don't know. I don't even know what they're called. I'm not going to say what they are because they're our competition, and I can't remember. But so this guy decided to dig up an old conversation from 2014 between myself and Mike Farrell, uh, who is, uh, you know, our boss and the national recruiting director for rivals. And we were talking about how much we like Treon Harris. And for some reason, the guy decided to screenshot it and then retweet it with the hashtag experts. Uh, and actually it was sent to me by a Miami coach who got a good laugh out of it at my expense. Uh, at you know, a coach at the University of Miami, and he said, "Oh, you know, he's clowning you or whatever." And so, you know, I took a little jab back at the guy, and then I blocked him, as is my mo, because I block everyone. See, this is where you and I differ, my friend. I am, uh, and I'll champion this, and maybe this will bring some people down to attempt to uh, break my streak. I have never blocked anybody on Twitter. I ever, not once, and I've taken some abuse, but I kind of pride myself on it. I just haven't done it. And you've blocked roughly how many people? Would you? I'd say close to five hundred. I mean, I have seventeen thousand followers. <laughs> I've, I've I've probably blocked five hundred, and it's because I just I'm. It's because you're because you're confrontational by nature, right? right? It's, I'm protecting myself. Uh, also, this is not this is not. I'm protecting myself because I can't handle people saying bad stuff to me. My problem is. Say we're at we're on a level of one to ten in terms of uh, anger. Okay, I'm always at about a level four. Okay, most people are at a level one. So when someone comes up to a level four to say something to me, I go up to a level eight, and you know that it, it gets real <laughs> personal. It gets uh, nothing is uh, is off the table for me when I'm insulting someone. So based on the number of times I've gotten in trouble for making fun of people on Twitter uh, from. Uh, our higher-ups, I protect myself by blocking you. So, you know, if you got blocked, sorry, 
Guess what? I don't care. The bad boy, the bad boy of rivals Twitter. What do you want? That's right. So listen, Rob, the the uh, playoff uh, ballot or balloting. I don't know what it's called. The people who sit in a room and discuss uh, who's going to be in the college football playoff came out tonight. And I think we might have a bigger troll than Alabama, and I think it's Iowa. Do you think the people who listen to this, who enjoy Southeast recruiting, hate Alabama more or Iowa more? Iowa. Just because the SEC has that, like, you know, that weird SEC bond that a lot of other conferences don't, don't have, a lot of other conferences don't have at all. And Iowa is boring. Like, they see Iowa as boring Big Ten football. So, you know, it, it works well as a troll on SEC fans, definitely. Uh, <laughs> it's going to... It'll be even better if they win the semifinal game. If they can find a way to play for the national championship, the internet will explode, and I'll be all in favor for that. that. Oh, boy. And it's shaping up. I'm not sure. I guess we would have Iowa, Iowa Clemson, and then Alabama-Oklahoma. So if we had an Iowa-Alabama final, uh, I think everybody would then become Iowa fans. But, yeah, it would definitely be Yeah, here, I mean, because... look, man. Alabama, for the most part, is like – the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. They will always be a heel. It does not work as a good guy. You are just you are just a heel. You are a bad guy, and that's who you are. And, you know, it's best if you embrace it if you're Alabama. You know, play the heel. Put a $100 bill in your opponent's mouth after you vanquish him. Do the DiBiase thing. Because everybody's going to hate you regardless, so you might as well just be as awful as possible. If I was an Alabama fan, I would intentionally just be so antagonistic that people would want to punch me. Well, it's weird because people always think that, like, you know, and our Alabama site is a, is a very good site, TideSports.com. Our boy, Andrew Bone, who's a Snapchat exploits we have uh, detailed on this show. Andrew Bone with Rivals.com. Uh, does a great job over there. People think Alabama fans are the ones who give us the most grief. And on their message board, actually, it's one of the most civil message boards we have in the whole SEC, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you know, they are they're pretty calm over there. They you know, and you and I have some different takes on some different boards, but uh yeah, no, for the most part they're uh they're pretty laid back over there and don't really but it's easy to be when you're winning. Um, you know, like when you're not is when everything gets a little testy. If Alabama goes through in which they will because college football is so cyclical, goes down their down spell eventually, maybe post Saban is when things over there might get a little bit testy and more fun. Yeah, and then they'll start turning on Andrew Bone for uh, that concert footage that he rolls out uh, via Snapchat, which we had none this week for those uh, keeping track at home. We possibly, bo- possibly shamed him out of it, which you know, would be ideal. <laughs> well, I just think Fish wasn't in town this week. He, I, I know that uh, the big music festival is coming up down in Gulf Shores, Alabama, whenever that is. I think it's called boy, the Hangout, can, correct? Oh, yeah, Hangout Fest. You can best believe that Bone will be there in a bro tank, and there will be a lot of footage. And speak, okay, speaking of Bone, you next know, week. Other, no, hold on. The other thing with Bone Snapchat, too, it's concerts, and then there's always, like, a dog around. And it's never the same dog. It's just, like, here's Andrew Bone and his friends and a new dog of the week, or, like, a dog of the day. I don't even know where he finds these dogs. <laughs> I mean, he's constantly around bros and canines. <laughs> it's well, it's actually, really something. And bros' wives. I can tell you that a lot of the bros he hangs out with are married to, to very lovely women who I've had a chance. You know, I hang out with Andrew Bone when uh, we're on the road. So they, they were very nice to me when I hung out with them, including, I think, uh, one one person. We went we actually went to see one of these bands uh, of his that uh, that is on Snapchat. Now that I think about it. So we'll be seeing Bone next week in person as you and I head to uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, a place that I don't know. Have you ever been there before, Rob? 
I have not. This will be my first uh, foray into Hattiesburg. Okay, so so I've been to Hattiesburg once before for a camp we had there last year in 2014. We're going there for the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game. Now, a lot of people are familiar with the big-time All-Star Games like uh, the Shrine Bowl, or not the Shrine Bowl, excuse me, the, the Under Armour All-American Game, the U.S. Army Game. But we also go to games like the Shrine Bowl and like the Alabama-Mississippi where you have two states – and all-stars from those states competing against each other. And these are games that have been around for some of them. You know, I think the Shrine Bowl's going on 80 years or so. I think how many – I don't know how and, many. And it's always the best players. I mean, especially at Alabama, Mississippi. I mean, if you're Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Mississippi State, just about every SEC school will have at least one player involved in this thing. I mean, it's not like they send the chumps. They send, you know, the four- and five-star big hitters to this thing. And it's always a good game. There's always a lot of talent there. And it's always worth our trip, I think. So it'll be fun. Maybe we'll do some interviews from there. Uh, you know, we'll definitely discuss the commits from the different schools and what's kind of going on there. It'll be fun to actually uh, sit in a room with your lovely mug and even Andrew Bone so we can antagonize him about his Snapchat to his face. Well, maybe he'll bring, maybe he'll bring a dog. I hope he brings a dog. <laughs> Uh, you know, we both know that uh, my dog has been pulled from the road. Uh, <laughs> you know, my, I cannot bring my dog with me, so unfortunately he will not be uh, making the trip. But, uh, you know, these events, we do see guys emerge every year. Actually, Chris Jones, who I believe was a five-star headed into Alabama, Mississippi a couple years ago, uh, ended up just dominating that week. Turned out to be a five-star. He's now at Mississippi State. I think he uh, is a defensive tackle now. Probably he could be heading into the draft this year, if not this year, next year. Farrell Cooper, a guy who that same year dominated the Shrine Bowl, and, and me and uh, Adam Friedman just both loved him. And actually, really had to push for him to become a four-star. He barely made the cut. Now he's leaving early to go into the draft at South Carolina. Should be a first-rounder. Uh, Todd Gurley, who everybody knows, was a three-star headed into the Shrine Bowl a few years ago, dominated that week. And the, like Rob said, those are big names there, and they're going full padded practices twice a day. So really for us in terms of evaluation and getting to see guys, it's where some of these great players separate themselves. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely really excited to see some of these guys. The Alabama team will be interesting. You know, there'll be guys like Ben Davis and Mac Wilson, the two five stars. And then Nigel Knott on the Mississippi side, who is almost a five star, who I'm very interested in seeing. Uh, and these are guys with major offer lists. Uh, and, you know, it's deeper than that. It's obviously just not those three guys. But, you know, those are just three of them. You know, it should be a really interesting show next week. All right, so we're getting a little long on time. Let's move to the favorite uh, section of the show, Rants and Recommendations, even though, of course, we got a huge rant from Rob earlier, uh, which I really enjoyed because he never wants to do one at the end of the show. Yeah, well, nothing uh, gets also- me going like journalism things. Like, you know, it's, I've got, everybody's got their hot-button issues, and that's, that's something that kind of sets me off. Yeah, we, one might have thought you went to Mizzou and not Kansas State with the way you talk about uh, <laughs> journalism and journalism. Hey, you might watch your mouth about the A.Q. Miller School of Journalism, my friend. <laughs> oh, man, I remember actually when I got my first job at the Naples Daily News. That's a quick story. Uh, there was a, a group of people who had gone to Northwestern and Mizzou, and I think one guy actually went to Columbia, and uh, we were sitting somewhere, and, and they were talking – uh, about you know their their great educations they got and I said, hey guys, I went to UCF and I make the same amount of money as you and we have the same job. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, this, is break why, this is why you're universally beloved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like that. Uh, so quickly, a quick rant by me. We'll start with uh, post Thanksgiving. I noticed on Friday a lot of people sharing on. Uh, social media, Instagram, especially uh, hashtag opt outside, 
which uh, I did a little research on. It turned out that people were uh, bragging about not going Black Friday shopping, which, you know, I'm not a fan of Black Friday shopping. But what's the point of saying I'm going to get away from stuff and go outside if you create a hashtag and then post multiple things on social media about it? Just go outside, right? Turn off the phone. Go outside, walk around the woods, maybe share the grams when you get back. But, you know, that kind of got on my nerves. I was really, uh, I was really oh, irritated. In, at, in at, which, like, weird, like, early 1990s Hallmark movie are you living in where people go outside and walk around in the woods? Like, is that something that people do in 2015? I, I don't, like, I've never had the urge to, to go outside and take a walk around in the woods. I couldn't even find the woods from where I live, well, actually. Okay, look, I believe you were at the beach this weekend per your Snapchat. I, I, so. I was at the beach this weekend, but the beach is not the woods. Uh, the woods okay, happen at Hallmark I'm saying, movies. If you had put that picture of the beach up and put opt outside, I'm sh- I guarantee you, if people, if you want to go search the opt outside hashtag, I guarantee you there's people bragging, maybe even doing videos, photos about how they're not you know a slave to uh commercialism or whatever but guess what you're still you you are you're using a billion dollar you're using facebook's app you're doing the same thing you're contributing so yeah you've led led me to a pretty good rant here and i'll I'll, I'll let this one go too here while we're here and i'll make it quick is and you'll get a lot of this around election time and i'm not going to get real political here uh, at all, but when people are like the candidate that they support lose, no matter you know loses whether that's you know, the left side or the right side, it doesn't matter. Uh, this country is going to hell. This country, this country is going down the toilet, and they're typing all this from a three hundred or four hundred dollars smartphone about how bad the economy is. <laughs> it's like, bro. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Like, put down the four hundred dollars smartphone, and let's not complain how bad the economy is when you're typing on this thing or your nice Apple laptop that costs two grand. Like, you know, who should be complaining about the economy? The people sleeping outside Burger King, not you on the iPhone. My family in Greece uh, has every right to complain about the economy. But the, the, the issue I have you know, with us, maybe, you and me, Rob, is that a lot of our complaints are based around social media. Maybe it's us that need to, uh, to turn off the iPhones, huh? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Well, we can't, though, unfortunately, because we wouldn't have jobs. So, you got uh, a recommendation reckon- before we get out of here? Yeah, I got a, I got a quick one. Uh, I've been watching Fargo Season 2. Uh, great show, man! I really enjoy that show. Uh, I think you know I wasn't not a big Fargo movie fan. I'm not like a Coen Brothers nerd, or I don't quote the Big Lebowski or anything like that. But uh, if you like good TV shows, I mean, if you like you know the Breaking Bad's of the world, Mad Men, etc., I think you'll like Fargo. I really liked season one. That was basically the same as uh, the Fargo movie. Now season two has taken a different spin and uh, pretty entertaining. It's got uh, you know, some actors you'll recognize, Ted Danson making it out, making an appearance, and a few other people. So I really enjoy that show. I would recommend it. It's on FX, I believe. I think season one might be on Netflix uh, or Hulu or something. So I, I really like that one. You know, I don't have anything this week. Uh, you know, I've been so busy with the, uh, I mean, I can recommend things that nobody could ever see, like restaurants and, you know, obscure towns. But, uh, you know, as far as like television shows or pop culture goes, uh, I've been pretty pop culture underground recently. Um, oh, I, no, you know, I, I guess I talked about uh, I talked about The Martian last week, right? So yeah, yeah we, I, are, I, we already. I've already got nothing, man. I, I, I've got nothing. I guess uh, I guess I'll be the ranter this week. All right, so Rob had two rants, so he doesn't have to give a recommendation. Uh, that wraps it up for us. We remind you, of course, we didn't uh, plug ourselves. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes. 
Boy, we really need those iTunes reviews to keep coming. And I think our goal is 100. We're at somewhere north of 25 after I made my cousin, who is 15 years <laughs> old and has no interest in uh, our podcast, leave a review uh, over Thanksgiving. Um, but and people so are listening. Find- and, you know, thank you for that, though. I mean, what, this thing streamed more than, you know, it streams anywhere between 15 and 2,000, 1,500 and 2,000 times a week. Uh, so, you know, we're getting an audience and we appreciate you guys listening. And hopefully you're not just doing it out of pity or because, you know, punching the the radio or wherever you're listening to this because you hate Woody's voice. Well, yeah, exactly. And more importantly, uh, we keep those listeners coming and you get to hear, uh, you know, some type of weird ad where you have to enter a promo code, uh, you know, to buy a mattress or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're a weird mattress firm looking to sponsor a podcast, uh, you know, reach out. Airtime is available. So you can find uh, the podcast at Rivals Podcast on Twitter, SoundCloud, we're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes. Subscribe, leave a rating. Send us feedback, uh, RivalsPodcast at Yahoo.com. You can find me at RivalsWoody, at Rob, at uh, Casty underscore Rob, and our producer, uh, Nick Kruger, who should be on the show next week at Rivals Krug City. And, of course, the music. Oh, we love the music, don't we, Rob? Man, I'm tapping my foot to it right now, and I assume everybody else is. Uh, and on that note, uh, we should maybe mentally move on from this episode and uh, into next week. All right, so uh, M. Deuce on SoundCloud to hear the music. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.